Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of the Adams Mystery Playhouse podcast. Adams Mystery Playhouse is Colorado's only full-time mystery dinner theater. I am your co-host, Nick Guida, and with me today, my partner in crime, as always, Marn Wilsquayar. How are you today, Marn? Oh, excuse me, that's my bird, Lorenzo. Lorenzo, stop that. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. Oh, I'm so... Let me put him up. Okay. I got the bird put away. How? Oh, sound like you hurt you hurt the bird. <laughs> oh, you, Did you hurt that. the bird. Were you hurting that bird, Marn? No, I just uh, shut him in a closet. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, if the authorities come and ask me where you live, I'm going to have to tell them. Yeah. Well, you know the uh, 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 some people don't think these podcasts uh, have any impact, but the emails I've been getting unbelievable from the last episode, episode seven. Mm-hmm. I got an email from, you're not going to believe where, South Korea. <gasps> and and this person has listened to every one of our podcasts. And he said, so far, my favorite podcast was the one featuring Dog Proctor. <laughs> and now, Marn, perhaps we should move on to who is our guest for this episode. Well, our guest today, Nick, is Gina Wenzel. How are you doing today, Gina? Oh, very well. Thank you. Hi, Gina. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Gina is probably, well, you're an excellent walk around and you're probably the best Marilyn Monroe impersonator I have ever. You kind of are Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> well, thank you, Marn. <laughs> Maybe you should sing Happy Birthday, Mr. President. I mean, you just, uh, and you could sing it to Nick. He could be president. <laughs> should I really? Should I sing it right now? I think you should. Okay, let's see if I can do it. Um... Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mr. Nick. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Nice. There you go. I don't, know, I don't know why you couldn't have just said President Nick. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why you did that. You and I did a job where you played Marilyn and I was Groucho Marx and it was down at the Parkside Mansion down by the zoo. And people would see me as Groucho and yeah, yeah. But when they would see you, you would they would come around the corner and see you. They would go, oh, Marilyn. And it didn't matter, man or woman. People were just completely enamored with Marilyn. Yes, it's what I miss so much about it is just people just, you know, they loved her. They loved her in real life. And she's just like this. I think of her as a light, you know, sweet being. And yeah, I every time I've done um, her, I would walk in, even children, and I don't know why, because they don't probably have a reference point to it. So I'm not quite sure why they would be. But <laughs> but everybody just was like, oh, there she is, you know, and it, it's just such an honor to portray somebody like that, because I, I, I love Marilyn, and I, I, I know people still love her very much. There's another Marilyn Monroe booking that I remember quite well. I got a call late in the afternoon from the guy who books all the entertainment down at the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs 
for a party that night, a birthday party for this man who apparently was quite wealthy and also loved Marilyn Monroe. And I called you and and it started out very normal, but as it progressed, you got like really leery about doing this job <laughs> because he kept calling me back. It started off, it was going to be at eight o'clock or something or whatever it was. And, and then he calls back and it kept changing. And every time it would change, you were like, this sounds weird. Is this, what, what, did, I don't know if I want to go down there because it kind of made it sound like they were hiring an escort for one of a better, for better description. And it started off at a certain amount of money and it was a good amount of money. And you were like, okay. And we kept raising the money to like a ridiculous amount for what the thing was and he kept saying but she can't walk away and I would call, do you remember that yes she can't walk away and i would walk and i'd call you back and i'd go all right gina they're up to 500 but you can't walk away and every time i would say that he would like it he would like it scared oh what? Well, i don't know if i want to go and then so you made michael michael michael's gina's husband so you and i said it'll be fine michael's going with you what's going to happen I don't know. So it's all set or whatever. And I leave work and we get, you know, it's like 600. And I go out to dinner because I remember I was at an Applebee's and I, and, he, and I gave him my cell number and he kept calling me. So oh. I'm at Applebee's and then now will they, you know, uh, they're not sure now. Uh, they're, they're wanting her to go on at 11. And he goes, well, how much? And I go, whatever. And then I, you know, b bumped it up to and Okay, but she can't walk away. I know. <laughs> so then I would get on the phone and call Gina, and we got it up to this ridiculous amount of money. I don't even remember what they finally agreed to do this. And she can't walk away. It was a lot, Nick. It was so much money. Yeah, and so you go down, and you, and of course you like you don't even really want to do it, but you go down there. The Come next on. day, then Marn goes, "Well, how do you think the gig went?" And I don't, and I go, "So I called Gina, or Gina calls me, and she goes, yeah, it was great. Well, we got there about eight, and uh, they were ready for me right away, and I sang happy birthday, and I got in my car, and we got in the car, and we went home.'" <laughs> And so the whole thing, the whole thing was like what was basically what the original deal was. Whatever the original deal was, that's what you ended up doing. And so I go, so then I tell Martin, I go, uh, I'm a little worried about this. And you're like, well, well, why? And I tell you, and you're like, oh no. And then sure enough, he calls. Oh, well, you know, uh, it ended up uh, only taking about five minutes at, at eight o'clock. And so we're like. <laughs> So we had to like renegotiate. Oh God, that was just a disaster. Oh yeah. my God, wasn't that up in the Penrose room, Gina? I think so. The, the, I, the yeah. high, the restaurant that's up really high. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and it was a whole. Yeah, it was the whole room. You know, it was like the the room, but it was just a small group. It was so interesting. It was just a small group of people. I had to hide behind some pillar, and then come out. <laughs> It was, it was, yeah, it was fun. He was just so intense with that whole, and she can't walk away. It was like, please stop. And yeah. It was such a strange, it was such a strange, a surreal evening. I... Yeah. Well, I, like you said, it doesn't sound like the gig was weird, but the booking was so horrible. Yes. It's the last job you probably ever wanted to go on. <laughs> It was very strange leading up to it. And then I was like, why was I worried? It's just fine. <laughs> I say this to Marn and everyone all the time. 
you're the nicest person <laughs> on the planet. Because oh. you always, when when she comes to the building, is my favorite thing when she comes to, to Adams, is I can hear her. I am my, I'm on the second floor of my <laughs> office. I can I know when Jean is here because as soon as she gets here, I can I can hear her pass every person, and she goes hi. <laughs> <laughs> And she says that, and I always, and she walks by my office, and I'm always laughing because she's saying hi to everyone on the way in, and she's so happy, so happy to be here and saying hi to everyone. Whereas when I come in here, I I barely even look at anyone, let alone say, let alone say say hi to them. I just, I just want to just interject that I I am very happy to be doing shows at Adams and working with you all. It's been so fun for me this last year. So I am very happy when I come there and say hi to everybody. <laughs> you're, you're not faking it. You really are happy. No, you should. You're just, that's just what I'm saying. Gina's the nicest person I know. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to say something about performing with Gina that I really enjoy. And whether I'm in the back of the room uh, watching uh, uh one of our productions, or whether I'm on stage with Gina, I love the way, and I don't think anybody else can do this as like you do this, where you're going from super sweet, you're doing your lines, and yes, to this sort of evil, and yes, I did do it. You know, <laughs> the, the transition is marvelous, I got to tell you. Oh, thank you, Marn. Yeah, it's, well, thank you. And and how you can, you can, you can pull it off as evil and yes, I did do it and yet be sweet at the same time. That's, that's not easy to do. I've tried. <laughs> I, I am slightly self-deprecating, but I know it's true. I, I am just amazed at everybody's improvisational skills in these shows and just their off the cuff, funny, funny, funny. Um, I'm not that great at that, so I'm always very, uh, I just feel very happy to be a part of the troupe, and I've had the time of my life. It's just been so, so very fun. I, you know, it's just such a great, I know I do a lot of, oh, I'm just going to go on and on here, but I do a lot of theater. I have done a lot of theater, and it is always wonderful. I do a lot of great stuff, but to have packed houses come and see you and have them so excited and happy after a show. You just know you've entertained people. And I'm gonna say this, get paid for it. And not a measly amount, a good amount is like an actor's dream. And um, I know I'm gushing right now and I'm sorry, but um, I just wanna say that because it's been, it's a lovely thing and, and I love working with all of you. And, and um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> It's yeah. me going on and on, but that's how I feel about it. <laughs> Last summer, we did a, a, a job at the Air Force Academy. That's at right. the uh, the Falcon Club. And so we decided to, at first, Michael was going to dr drop you off and then come pick you up. And then you said, can can I just go down with you? And I said, fine. So we went down there. And the, it's the Air Force Academy, so it's like a military base with a gate with armed guards. And we pulled in. They were asking me if I had any guns or things or and opened the trunk. And and you said I said something that they didn't find funny. What did do you remember what I said? Gosh, it was <laughs> I don't know, Nick. Please, I wish I could remember, but I was like in my mind I said, 
oh my god nick no don't say such a thing and they didn't even they didn't even crack a smile and no. we drove in and she's and of course gina's laughing at me so we were the first ones we were the first ones there and then so this guy marco marco was on the job <laughs> and this marco pulls up to the gate and so i've already said something to them that they didn't, you know, they just didn't find even remotely funny. And Marco pulls up to the gate and he goes, he goes, yeah, I'd like a double cheeseburger, <laughs> large fries and a Coke. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, yeah, it didn't, uh, it didn't go over very well. <laughs> I think what you said, Nick, was something like, um, cause you were relating the story to me. They asked if you had guns in the trunk and you said, no, I don't. I, but I have a bomb or something, didn't you? Yes, say it was something. No, I, didn't say, I, did, I did not say that. It was something sure? like that. It was no. something like that. Or, or, or something like I keep I keep my guns in the back seat or something, you know, yes, something where was. you totally, yeah, you don't say no. stuff like that to military guys. That's, not only that, that makes me, you people are making me sound really dumb. <laughs> I <laughs> I, don't, I thought I thought I I was just in my mind I said something funny, not something really stupid <laughs> while entering a military base. Well, and of course Marco saying stuff like that and coming up to those young young uh, Air Force guys and saying I'd like a cheeseburger. Marco is ex-military and he was in for quite a while, and I think he was a security guard at one point. So why he thought that would you know that they you know. I, I, I know you weren't on this show, Gina, because you weren't back yet. But when we did the 10th anniversary here of the building, we decided to do a show because obviously we can only have five people in the show. We invited all the actors if they wanted to come. Nice. And uh, and Marn was going to have Marco get up and do some. It was planned. It's all planned. He's going to get up and do some stand up. So I think Marco got up while I'm dead to do some stand-up and he came in his he came in that naval uniform the white oh, navy wow. white mm -hmm. like white navy uniform and the, and the hat an officer and so i assume that i'm assuming while i'm dead that mar that marn's like well we got some guests here tonight some people to work with us and one of our greatest friends is here tonight we're going to get him up for a few minutes give a big hand to one of our funny actors marco alvarado this is what i'm assuming happened in my mind <laughs> Well, she'd never brought up Marco, and I didn't know this. So as we're doing voting, he gets up to read, and I said something like, well, of course, I love your work on the love boat or something like that. <laughs> and the audience turned on me because they thought he was real military, and I'm insulting him. <laughs> and they, right. they, like, booed me. And I was like, he's one of us, people. <laughs> And oh. then I found out later, oh, no, we, uh, we didn't get Marco up. And I was like, what? <laughs> you didn't get Marco up? So nobody knew? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, Nick, I think, I think it's a little weird when you say when I'm dead. I mean, people who have never heard our – and they don't know what, we're, what we do, you don't mm. really die during the show. You, you, you turn into a oh, different I, character. Oh, I've died many times in the shows. <laughs> And that and that right there is a, a prime example. Oh, gosh. I, I I can remember a couple that I don't even want to repeat them here. They usually don't turn on me, but they have a few times, and it's been 
ugly. Oh, no. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah, it's it's not fun when uh, and then once they once they uh, smell the blood, boy, whoo, then you really yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the that kid? And the audience picked up on it. He must have had like five gallons of iced tea <laughs> during the show. Like every time. Every in like every few seconds he was yeah. walking over and getting more iced tea. It was also and he was also heckling us. Like, yeah. like the only time we ever had like a kid heckler. So yeah. and he's like and he's and he's standing up and every time he says something, he stands up to say it. He's got a glass of iced tea. <laughs> yeah, loaded loaded with sugar. And I got to tell you, it's hard to walk and heckle at the same time. And he, he can do it. Yeah, he he can heckle. He, he wouldn't be like walking back to his chair heckling us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heckling as he walked. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the reason I say somebody picked up on it, I'm almost, I don't, this probably isn't the exact title of, of the ballot. But one of the teams, and it was an adult who got up and said, what's the name of your team? And the, and it was something like, how can he drink so much iced tea? Something <laughs> like that. They made a joke about it. So, like, the entire audience knew that this kid had, had, had I don't even know how much iced tea he had. It was probably mostly sugar with a little bit of iced tea. But, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, some of these kids, we had a kid that came to the playhouse Oh, pretty close to us opening up. His name is Ryan. He lives outside of Colorado Springs. Somehow he had found our shows and talked his mother into driving him up. And he was so, he was five years old when he started coming to the playhouse and he's been coming for, oh gosh, what Nick, seven, eight years. He's older now, obviously. Um, I haven't, well, when was the last time he was here? I don't remember the last time he was here. I'm going to say last year. I'm going to say, yeah, I think so. And they usually sit at table one and he always wants to state the vote. And, oh, he was so cute. And he stands on the chair, you know, and I I swear the kid's going to be an attorney or something. I mean, he's (laughs) literally, you know, like, and we think it was, and he, he talks his mother into bringing him up. Oh, it's, I know. It's lovely. It is. I I wanted to say. Huh? And he hardly ever drinks any iced tea. I don't ever <laughs> remember seeing Ryan drink a glass of iced tea. And he doesn't hackle either. He's just... <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't so painful, it's the, the, the heckling kid was kind of... It, it was almost funny. Let's put it this way. It would have been really funny if, say, I hadn't have been in the show. Say, it would have been some other show that I wasn't in. And that kid was heckling them. I would have found him quite entertaining. <laughs> but I want to say one other thing to hearken uh, back to what Gina said about how many times have the three of us and all of us in the troop, as a matter of fact, had people walk up to us on a nightly basis and say, I have not laughed this hard in years. So many. So many. So many, and it's yeah. so wonderful. Almost every night. Well, there you have it, another exciting episode of podcasting interviews. <laughs> Moving on to the next segment. Let's start with the solution to last episode's mini-mystery, No Way Out. What brought Fordney to the conclusion that it was a murder and not 
a suicide. Well, if you will recall, the note was written with a pencil, but there was no pencil found in the room. Apparently, the murderer wrote the note to resemble the dead man's handwriting, but through force of habit, put the pencil in his pocket. But now let's move on to this episode's mini-mystery, A Broken Engagement. And the cast for the story today is Marne, will be the narrator. Gina is Molly Fleming, and I will be Professor Fordney. So here we go with A Broken Engagement. Hmm... Peculiar, murmured Fordney as he examined the desk on which lay seven letters ready for mailing. Three gray, one lavender, two pink, and one lemon-colored. As he idly shaped the wax of the candle standing on the desk, he continued to ponder this unusual choice of color and stationery. One of the letters was addressed to Dot Dalton, who had been murdered between 1140 and 1150. She was one of the guests at this house party in the Adirondacks. All of the letters were closed with black sealing wax stamped with the letter F. At midnight, Fordney began his questioning. What time did you retire? Fordney asked Molly Fleming, in whose bedroom he was seated. About ten. Was your door locked? Yes. Hear any disturbance? No, I was tired, fell asleep almost immediately, and didn't awaken until you knocked on my door a few minutes ago and told me of the tragedy. Why did you uh, write to Dot? I didn't see her last night and knew she intended leaving early this morning. Jack Fahey broke our engagement yesterday and told me he was going to marry Dot. My letter was to tell her just how despicable I thought she was in luring him away from me. He didn't love her. Of course, I'm... I'm sorry she's dead, but a lot of wives will feel safer. Why the various colors of stationery? Oh, I always write in a color that seems to reflect the personality of my correspondent. I see, but unless you have a better alibi, you will be held on suspicion of murder. <gasps> well, there you have it. Why was the professor practically certain that Molly was involved in this horrible murder. That will wrap it up for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Marn, Gina. Oh, get back there. Uh, thanks, it's been fun. Okay, it sounds like that time you killed him. <laughs> And please, don't forget to join us for our next podcast from Adam's Mystery Playhouse.